0: Romance Suspended in Time with the Hutchinson Brothers.
1: Hold up, wait a minute. Know what's going on when Hutch
2: is in Uh it. Move over, beg your pardon. Hutch gonna get this party started. Welcome. To a suspended in time. Uh the show where two brothers um think back to their childhood, try and recreate their memories, and talk about um semi interesting things.
1: Yes, that 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 about sums it up. I think we're we at some point we'll find a really good intro that is is nuanced, uh truthful, and effective. Sure. But I felt...
2: I felt like for this episode that was that was appropriate. No,
1: yeah, that works. But here, th- okay, so this uh, I listen to the Rhett and Link podcast sometimes, mm-hmm. and their intro goes as such: "Welcome to Earbis. Oh wait, hold on, fuck, I fucked it up. Welcome to <laughs> Earbiscuits. This is the show where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. How good is yes. that? Mm-hmm. that? That is really good. We need something like I, that.
2: I've been listening. I actually have been listening to that too, because. Um, the deconstruction um, apps, exactly, because that's kind of. I feel like we're sort of doing the same thing with this show, yeah, <laughs> a similarly little
1: bit. through like the lens of media for sure, mm-hmm. but definitely the a same, a, a similar idea,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, so today we're doing uh, Christian music, we're talking about the Christian music from our childhood. I formulated uh, I, I worded it that way for a reason mm. um, because I know we talked about Christian metal core. I talked about tooth and nail solid state labels, uh, but I kind of cheated with my list because yeah. okay. my musical taste, um, I think in general was a little bit, uh, a little bit less heavy than yours. Mm. When I went back to, uh, going through all the tooth and nail and solid state bands and all the metalcore albums. I was like, these were good, but I don't feel like I listened to them enough to really pick a top 10.
1: Sure. They um, weren't your most like nostalgic or generative it, exactly, sort of albums. Exactly.
2: Exactly. But so I think that'll be a theme. So our sure. list, our lists, okay. our lists are going to, they are going to differ a little bit. Um,
1: I was wondering about that too, actually, because I, I we we probably could have discussed this before the podcast, but I made so it's it's a top ten list is what we're going down of most um, I guess influential or nostalgic or best I guess depending on what what you what that word means to you I suppose. Um, but I was sort of worried because we talked about solid state and tooth and nail, and I wanted my my list to be mostly reflective of that because that was sort of like this the specific group of bands that was so uh culturally available to us so there i there are two bands at the top of my list number 10 and 9 that aren't from them but it would feel weird to not mention them and i also have a few uh honorable mentions that i think i didn't i I didn't put on because i assumed you would put it on your list Oh, interesting. I I have some honorable mentions as well. Okay, so how about yeah. this? I wanna I wanna maybe we should do this. I want let's let's play a little game, um, where let's see. Maybe once we get to the top three, I think before we jump into the top three, we should we should guess guess each other's top three. Love it. And also, right now, we should both guess how many crossover artists will be on both of our lists in the, okay. in the 10 not the honorable mentions just in the 10 Interesting
2: Interesting Um so we're doing that right now then Yeah, what do you think? I don't know.
0: You're, you're, yeah,
1: I I'm down. So um I have my answer. I think Oh, you do. Okay. In my 10 in our 10, I think we'll have six crossover Ooh. albums or not albums, oh. pardon me, artists because I think specifically I picked I picked some albums that were um ones that I thought, I, I I intentionally picked ones that you wouldn't pick, I guess.
2: Okay, interesting. I uh, I predict five.
1: Five, okay. Six or yep. five. Okay, we've mm-hmm. we got the same sort so of vibe. So pretty close, actually. And that would make sense, I think, six mm-hmm. or five, because for the most part, like, up until a certain point, I you were just, I was fully harvesting your music taste. Mm-hmm. That, That's right. And it's sort of, a, it was... Something that I benefited from and you benefited from, I think, because there was sort of like a like a chain of older brotherness because I mean you were my older brother, so I got stuff way earlier. But then you were also best friends with Mark Cantelo and Eric and Scott ran the over the edge on the local christian radio station for like yeah, hard was, music was, and they were like deep into the into the subculture
2: that yeah and that's where i got a lot of my recommendations from with the, the heavier bands especially
1: yeah um, eric got uh oh 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 god the aftermath tattoo right is that true yeah that's right that's how hardcore yeah, he was he that. got a norma Jean tattoo like norma when Jean he wasn't tattoo. allowed to yeah he was like 16 right. or something
2: yeah and uh yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I think it was it was Scott Canelo and Tanner Regalski mm. that hosted the Over the Edge show. Oh, oh true. so Walk, Walker Rogalski, right, one of my yeah. buddies as well, was also really into the heavy stuff. I can remember him uh, making fun of me because of all the soft music that I used to listen to, because he was just solely heavy shit, and yeah. anything else was
1: terrible. That's funny. Yeah, that's a that's a vibe that you get from a lot of sort of like metal elitists, I guess, and that Mm -hmm. sort of carried over to to in the Christian world. But at the same time, this is the thing, and we'll probably get into this. But almost all, even the some of the heaviest like Christian metal that existed, there was this trend of always having like the second last track of the album. Was like a a ballad, like a really, really soft, like intensely, like singing, personal, like spiritual song. So, like, (laughs) even on those heavy albums, it was that trend of like, you either all of your choruses are like soaring, clean vocals, or you had like a completely ballad like track somewhere in the track list.
2: Yeah, a ballad or like a semi worship song. Yes,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah, always in the like the late. Sorry of end. the track list yeah. near the end of the album yeah that's a good point so it's hard to be completely elitist in that sense i think because there was so much crossover in yeah. terms of, and i mean we can get into the psychology of why i've been sort of trying to think about that a, a bit in in preparation for this episode but yeah i don't know i would um i guess we should hit honorable mentions I i can start with my honorable mentions i guess yeah let's run it down quickly i don't have any like audio samples for these ones Okay, perfect. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to mention three of my honorable mentions because um I think they'll be on your list. So, why don't you just run down? Your okay, list. sure. Um
2: Okay. Um so I this one's just a band that I I ended up leaving off and actually <laughs> I left it off. Um I had an album on my list and then you reminded me of an artist that i had completely forgotten about mm. um and uh this band got bumped so it's the almost so it's aaron mm. aaron gillespie um uh, the drummer and singer from under Oath, uh his uh his rock band or his solo project oh i think it was a solo project and then it ended up being a rock band but mm-hmm. um there were a couple albums that i listened to a lot um when I was a little bit younger, Southern Weather and Monster Monster, I think, were the two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, yeah, they were a staple for me, uh, especially in high school. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, uh, forget and not slow down by Reliant K. Interesting. Um, okay, is- you know
1: what? This is a good conversation because I was saving Reliant K for. A pop punk episode for pop punk, yeah, okay, but, interesting. But forget and not slow down is is a little bit less pop punk. It's more just like adult contemporary rock sort sure. of vibe. So it does fit more here than okay. elsewhere. Interesting, but I agree. Like forgetting, like if I was to put forget and not slow down on this on this list, it would be in my top three. Okay, interesting. I uh actually the
2: next one I think is going to be on your list, so maybe I'll leave that out too. Um. Uh, And the rest Will follow by Project 86
1: Project 86 Remember okay speaking of Project 86 the only reason I like Knew about them or maybe you knew about them from other Ways but because it, remember we used to get like Solid state yep. Music video DVDs mm-hmm. With a yep. compilation of music videos And this song Was on it
2: Yeah Yeah Oh
0: yeah. One last <laughs> that
1: song fucking rips, and the yeah. it was like a scary music video too. Yeah, where
2: they like blow his chest out with a cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> and he has like
1: a knife that he's like hiding behind his back. Behind his but back, but his you body. can
2: see through his chest. Yeah. Uh yeah. Project 86, I did know about them a little bit before that um that DVD and that album that we got. So that album I remember. So this this album is gonna come up a few times mm. in my list. Um because uh it's a big reason that I um that I started listening to some of these bands hmm. um okay. one of them Just... in particular is like a seminal band for me and that uh that album is a big reason why um but yeah this this i believe was and the rest of will follow uh was one of the only project 86 albums that i had and listened to regularly mm-hmm. yeah i remember
1: i actually have a really distinct memory of we used to have to hang out my our dad's a high school teacher and we used to hang out with him because while well, we were either waiting for the bus or waiting to go home and that sort of thing. And I have a very distinct memory of us playing, and the rest will follow, out loud in the old science room, like in the original high school. Whoa, that's crazy. That's you we were probably crazy. playing like NHL 2002 on the computer. On I the computer. You, you installed that and then it got stolen, I think? Yeah, I think it was the first 2000
2: yeah oh, 2000 okay yeah that's right that's an- so f- funny you bring up nhl that's gonna come up later as well oh okay Interesting. Very <laughs> a fun. couple times i think um uh yeah so uh that's another one project 86 was a big band for us too um mm-hmm. another one this is this probably falls under pop punk but they were a tooth and nail band uh it's hawk nelson do you remember Hawk okay nelson? i'm
1: saving that for pop punk episode as well okay, like i cool. i had them i was thinking about them
2: okay gotcha canadian legends canadian legends that's right from peterborough ontario i believe yeah somewhere around there it's not far from where we grew up let's
1: pack up and move <laughs> to california
2: yep that's that's it that's one of the only songs i remember uh, if I was brave, I'd write a
1: letter to the president, have pass passed it to the leader of our government. But for now, I—it's okay. I—I I, don't—I don't condone that album anymore because it's like that song, particularly, is like horrifically problematic. I—I I like,
2: don't remember it at all, really.
1: He like wants to write a letter to the president, which is weird because they're a Canadian band about like the fact that like same-sex marriage legislation is going through. Oh, jeez! <laughs> and they think like the the country is going to shit. Or something It's like not good Not good
2: Not good stuff That's That's horrifying I Yeah yeah, This is This is a thing that Um Um I think is important to note About my musical taste And The way that Um I don't know The way The way that I consumed music Um Is that I never really Listened to the lyrics I would know the lyrics And know how To sing the songs But I never really pay attention to the lyrical content. Yeah. Um, If it, if the if the song ripped, and it got my adrenaline pumping, that was pretty much all that I needed. And even really still to this day, same, kind of the same thing. So yeah,
1: I'll only like listen to the lyrics if I already really like a song. Like mm -hmm. it's always just sonic first. Yeah
2: exactly yeah if it's sonically pleasing to me then it's uh then it's a winner Mm -hmm. um and then there's there's a couple other bands you already mentioned one norma Jean. um yep though none of those albums made my list but oh god the aftermath was the one i think we listened to the most or i did at least i think you kind of got a little more into them than i did
1: i got into them actually more recently i listened to oh god the aftermath when i was younger Mm -hmm. but that's the thing is like they they hadn't, like, something that I needed back then was I needed clean singing, mm-hmm. and Norma Jean didn't really have that, I don't think. They do now no. a little bit, but back then they didn't, and it was, a, I think it was a little too crazy for my, whatever, <laughs> nine or ten-year-old mind. That album's pretty thrashy. It's, um, it's It's like Converge, like, I don't know if you've heard Converge, but it's, like, really, really... Uh, sort of traditional metalcore rather than like emo metalcore sort of crossover right, right? You know what I mean, So it's actually taking from hardcore music rather than which is also what Thrash takes from. so it's a little bit harder to digest than a lot of the other stuff that is gonna be on this list yeah, but totally. i I've, I've more recently got into them. They're actually one of the few bands that are on this list that I think are still making really good music, mm
2: yeah. Yeah, some of them I'm not even sure are bands anymore, honestly. There's a yeah. couple couple question marks here. Um, Becoming the Archetype was another one. I know you're really into them too, but I we'll, won't.
1: We'll get to them.
2: Yeah, I figured we would. So
1: those are my honorable mentions. Cool. All right. Um, I only have one. Project okay. 86 was on my list. Two of them I think will be in your top 10. Okay. And the other one is something that I know you didn't listen to at all. But it was Family Force Five. Yep,
2: yeah. I remember it like, them.
1: It was weird. It was like this wacky, like just like purposefully kind of crazy. Like I don't even know how to describe them. Like it's not serious music. Like I, I just it was like it, I guess you'd call it like rap rock or something. Like something ridiculous. It was it was just like silliness. I guess essentially.
2: Um, and I what, really liked them. I feel like I, a lyric just popped into my head and I didn't really listen to this band but I it, is, was this them? It was
1: hold up wait a minute put a little love in it man, yeah. yeah that's them it's like this <laughs> just like ridiculous yeah, um, sort of music it's sort of kind of reminiscent of that first Thousand Foot Crutch album mm-hmm. where it has like it's not quite new metal it's not hard enough to be new metal but the, it's like rap and rock crossover Mm -hmm. and a little bit of like punk and and then also as usual with all these christian bands there's also a little bit of just like adult contemporary music just like undercurrent sometimes
2: just just in case they decide to sing it in church or something
1: yeah exactly they're sort of expecting that's that's the thing is like the with such an insulated community you have a pretty good chance of getting on a wow hits record or Mm -hmm. getting like a ballady song on the radio so you might as well
2: yeah that's right and i there's there's a couple circumstances when i did some research on these albums where certain artists released certain tracks um secularly like a secular signals or singles um and then released other singles just on the christian charts Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting
1: it's interesting to look at that i don't we don't really know like the background of that but there there you know there's a lot of you know like um f- i would imagine some focus grouping in terms of like market strategy mm-hmm. in terms of the type of tracks you're making with specifically tooth and nail where you are a lot of those artists are existing in a place where you can um appeal to like young adult youth groupy type people as well as you know the actual ucb christian contemporary radio stations right so i imagine yeah it's sort of like i imagine they would hand in a record and they'd be like this is good but just add one more song that's a little bit a little more more radio friendly a little bit more yeah really overtly explicitly gospel or something like Mm -hmm. that um that's just the vibe i think if you like there really did feel like a a cd formula for for a lot of these records in terms of just like how the track listing flows Mm mm-hmm um, specifically something like 1000 foot crutch or something like that or even demon hunter they were doing that same sort of thing where there were songs that moms could like and that sort of thing. Yeah,
2: they're actually putting out an album um just acoustic of hits. just their acoustic hits. It's re-recorded reimaginings of all of their slow songs from their metal album.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um we'll get to Demon Hunter in a sec, but also I just wanted to mention so we we did mention Relient K um, that would be in my top three. I'm saving it for the pop punk uh, episode okay, that we that's will be fair. doing. And the other one that just feels like a, it would be feel feel weird not to mention it in a tooth and nail episode is MXPX for me. Oh because yeah, MXPX was so huge for me and for you, I think as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was talking to Joy about MXPX when I was uh, researching this episode, and I remember the fact when um, Panic came out. And on Emotional Anarchist, he says pissed. Yeah. And I I remember that being like a thing where you listen to it first and you like, you're like, hey, hey, come here. Okay. It was like on the way to Mayman and Pepe's, you listen to it for the first time and you're like, yo, they say a thing. So just be cool about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Because if mom and dad find out, we're not going to be allowed to buy their albums anymore. Yeah. yeah even exactly. though they're at the Christian bookstore. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's funny.
1: Anyway, I think that that's everything I have to say before we get into the actual list.
2: Okay, perfect. Um, all right. So do you want you want to just uh, start breaking it down here? What's your ten, my my son? All right, my number ten, and this may be a surprise to you. I think this is a this is a bit of a dark horse, um, and uh, yeah, I don't think. This is going to be one of the ones that you were expecting to be on my list. So okay, I'm my, excited. My number ten is no, sir. Nihilism is not practical by Showbread.
1: Showbread. I had Age of Reptiles down mm. as something that would be on your list.
2: Okay, so when I when I penciled in my list originally, that was the album. Okay, but then I listened to both of them, mm-hmm. and I instantly was like, "This one is way better."
1: There's that one big hit that was about, like, lips or something. Yeah,
2: Mouth Like a Magazine. So that's, yeah, and that which was on that album that we mentioned before, that Solid State album. um, Yeah. Where, and I can remember the music video. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, they're all so emo. They look so, so, so emo. They've got uh,
1: nail polish.
2: Yeah. Um. And it zooms in on their nails, like mm-hmm. on the frets of the guitar, um. And they're all different colors.
1: Eyeshadow. You
2: can't see. The... You can't really see their eyes at all. Like I don't even know what the singer's face it's, really looks it's like.
1: It's the the dyed black hair that is just like straight down both of your cheeks, mm-hmm. like this, and then a little bit like tufted up at the back. That's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe they had like a to write love on her arms shirt or something like that. Do you remember that? that was like a really big thing for christian no i don't i don't remember that but i remember under oath used to wear that a lot i don't really know what it was but i just all the emos had it on
2: okay interesting
1: um
2: yeah so I, i did a little bit of research into showbread and this album specifically so it was released in 2004 and that's uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a theme 2004 to th- 2006 are where a lot of these albums on my list came from mm-hmm. um so they're they're kind of like like this album was was heavier than anything i think they put out after this uh, but this was the this was their first one on tooth of nail tooth and nail mm-hmm. um and I discovered Showbread. I, I had heard about them again from from the uh, the metalheads at church. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, th- the thing that I would do, um, when I'd hear about these bands, is I would go on a website called Pure Volume, um, which, um, I mean, I don't even really know how to describe it. Um, it, it was just. Um, basically any artist that you could find had a pure volume page and it kind of gave like a biography of the... It was kind of like a social media site, but...
1: It was kind of like uh, MySpace. I don't... But just for artists.
2: Yeah, like you... Like, I don't think you could make your own account or anything like that. I think it was just to showcase artists. And a lot of times, um, artists that weren't as big would put tracks on there for free that you could download so that you could kind of um give them a listen and and then um hopefully purchase their CD or whatever. So um so that's what I did with Showbread and I downloaded Dead by Dawn and Mouth like a magazine. Those were the two. And um dead by dawn's a little heavier and like fast paced than mouth like a magazine but mouth like a magazine has stuck with me like pretty much my whole life i don't really know why just the sound of it um that first verse for whatever reason pops into my head every now Hmm. and then um most of their stuff was more like i don't know like southern rock Mm -hmm. like age of reptiles is a little more southern southern rock
1: it's sort of a weird crossover. They, yeah, just a weird sort of crossover because mm-hmm. they did have a bit of like electronic sort of keyboard instrumentation and stuff mixed in. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these bands, that's the thing. That's the thing is like Tooth and Nail and Solid State were sort of based out of like the South, like the Bible Belt, mm-hmm. essentially. So you're getting a lot of bands that have at least some element of Southern rock because Demon Hunter has that as well, and like. Emery, I guess, has that Emery, as well, that's right. and quite a few of these bands from that area all, all have at least a little twinge. Even the Gillespie projects have some. Oh,
2: definitely, some, definitely, some especially stuff the stuff. the later ones. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. But yeah, it um, it's it's not necessarily one that I listened to a ton the entire album, but I think um, those two songs specifically stood out enough that I, um. I
1: needed to add it to this list. I think I remember that that album that you're talking about Mm -hmm. was one that we were having a hard time finding because we had Age of Reptiles. Mm -hmm. And it took us a while to or it took you were doing the brunt of the work. It took you a while to be able to get your hands on this just because, you know, if it's not at New Vision Mm -hmm. and it's not on eBay for a good price, then. And I think or I, at Chumley's. I
2: think I ended up finding it at Chumley's. To be okay, honest, yeah, um, that's the thing. Yeah, they
1: had a really strong Christian music. They section, really which did. Was great yeah, for us, it was
2: it was awesome. I can remember finding. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm. I'll, I'll bring this up later because it's a uh, it's a yeah, band yeah. that I'm going to bring up at at some point. But sure. it's a rare album of theirs. Um, so Dead by Dawn, I guess, got some um, criticism. There were some hit pieces about it because of its lyrical content. And Showbread was, like, criticized by the hardcore Christians as being, like, not Christian enough. They were...
1: That happened a few times with them, I think.
0: mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is weird because I can, like... I feel like um, on Age of Reptiles specifically, like, some of the lyrical content on there is really Christian. Like, very Mm. overtly Christian. Yeah. Yeah. so uh, yeah, that always that that was kind of surprising to me. But Dead by Dawn, like I don't know if they just didn't understand. But I did some research into the lyrics, and it's actually just about the Evil Dead movies.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's <laughs> like even horror movies are like, it, like if you're not within like this idea of like Christian like purity culture, it doesn't make sense. But there is this big thing of like even consuming secular media even if it's completely inoffensive is to a degree um sacrificing some level of your um purity purity as a christian um or it's like a completely useless thing it's like this idea that media has to like sort of vapidly build up your faith in god Mm -hmm. um so then something even further something like the horror genre for example, I don't think I saw a horror film until, uh, until I was like deep into or uh, deep into high school. Yeah, um, same. Just because it was like the entire genre as a whole was not okay. It was like this is either satanic or it's just not godly.
2: It's just not okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not okay to be scared.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the thing of like if there's no hope, then why are you watching it or something like that? I don't I don't, I, You know. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess, I, and they had to come out, or they—I don't think they had to—but they came out and were like, "Hey, like, we just love God, and we're a Christian band, and blah blah blah." And they came out and did multiple um, statements about mm-hmm. their criticism, and it—it's it, just crazy to me.
1: They just seemed like art kids, you know, like yeah, kids, like, kids that were purposefully trying to like be weird and like put people off a little bit. Yeah, and um, and mission accomplished. Um yeah, for and sure.
2: I know I read the comments on their songmeetings.com uh some of the lyrics on there and there were a lot of comments saying as soon as I saw the look of this band I saw their nail polish and their tight pants I yeah. I I just can't couldn't bring myself to listen to them it's just it's so yeah it's so That's funny That's the
1: whole it's a weird and it's interesting that that subculture uh was in sort of like hip christianity at the time of like skinny jeans and like uh like long hair and and nail polish and all these sorts of things because they are like quote-unquote classically feminine things but so so these so these bands and these like young adults were doing this but they also had this almost definitely had these like traditional sort of ideologies or like sensibilities about like gender roles and about you know homosexuality like they like these people were still bigoted but they were also lashing out in against like tradition in terms of what they were wearing you know do you know what i mean like there was something weird there like i don't understand really why yeah that 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 sort of subculture pushed into christian circles because it seems so anterior to what people actually thought at the time.
2: Yeah, no, I know. And and there weren't um I mean, there weren't a lot of bands like that. I can think of maybe a few.
1: I mean Under Oath was Under Oath is another like example.
2: That. other um, Under Oath is another example, but I think And they're
1: like one of the biggest Christian bands of the time. Yeah, you know they were I mean? just like,
2: such a juggernaut, I think people didn't really and they weren't as overtly like they didn't have nail polish. Like it was, it was, it's pretty much just the skinny, skinny jeans. They still had beards, long hair, a couple of them had beards. Yeah. So it's like you you mix the the lumberjack look in there and, and yeah, people aren't as offended by it. I guess it's, it's weird. But I
1: remember like, I, I was get, I, I wore like, it's weird to say now because it's such a different world, but like I would wear skinny jeans in high school Mm -hmm. and I remember getting like like being told i was gay all the time because i was wearing skinny jeans and i was wearing christy's pants to be fair like i, I remember multiple <laughs> times where i would wear her pants to school yeah um but that doesn't you know like it, 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 it it's just such like you know it's a it's a weird that era was weird i guess because it's you know rampant homophobia in the in these sorts of circles while also sort of like it, it, implicitly breaking down notions of masculinity but also not really also holding on to these weird like traditional ideologies that are really really damaging at the same time so maybe that's why showbread was so controversial to an extent you know yeah yeah that
2: that makes total sense um but yeah that's that's my number 10
1: that's a good shout i definitely would have mentioned it if i didn't know that Um, You would have brought it up But I think Showbred was more of a U-band Than than a Mm -hmm. me-band as well Um, My number 10 So like I say I think I have three albums on this list That are not technically Tooth and Nail or Solid State This Is my number 10 It's as they laid down. Okay, yeah.
2: I, th- that's what I was going to guess.
1: I, An ocean uh, between us, baby. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I remember that. They were huge, and obviously uh, <laughs> one of the bands that uh, had some controversy in their later years. Do you know about this? <laughs> yeah, I do know. Okay, I know good, exactly good, good, good. what you're talking about. I was about. just making sure you do. Like the lead singer's uh, in jail. He's not in jail anymore. They oh, okay. are a band now, a touring band. Oh, but seriously? He did he did hire a hitman to kill his wife. And in prison. <laughs> because divorce, was on, divorce is a sin. Yeah, divorce is a sin. <laughs> so how do we sidestep divorce? We kill her. But I won't kill her. I'll get a guy to do it. He does it. Because murder is a sin confession. as well. Yeah, but he did it. It wasn't me.
0: Yeah.
1: That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then he grew boobs in prison. And he tried to sue the carceral system or something because they weren't giving him the, he he was going through like withdrawal from his steroids and then his hormones went completely fucked and he tried to like sue for damages for like millions of dollars because he grew, he grew boobs and now they're a band again. So that's interesting. But anyway, the point is this album was very, they were like had real strong mainstream appeal like this is one of the bands like the reason why they weren't on solid state and do the nails because they were on a much bigger label um i think this album actually peaked at like number eight on the billboard top 200 albums or something the week it came out like it was a big big album um and it was it was was an album that you got like i don't think I, i even had it yeah but i think you're right but it was uh something that Hit that sweet spot for me at that time. It came out in like 2007 or something like that, and it hit that sweet spot of being aggressive enough, but it also had soaring vocal choruses, uh, to sort of cut through it, you know. And and had I could latch onto it a little bit because it, you know, like the journey with metal. Like I'm I'm deep in the journey with metal now at this point in my life, mm-hmm. but it's like gradual, you know. You you slowly get into the more ferocious, challenging sort of music and you just had to have to sort of let yourself get there. And at that point in my life, I needed that. And this hit that perfectly. And it's kind of funny to listen back to now because all of the like lead singers in these bands sounded exactly the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they (laughs) did.
1: Which is fun. Yeah, But I mean, my number nine is an exception to that rule. So maybe I shouldn't say that. But anyway, I don't have a lot to say about this album other than I listened to it a shit ton. Okay. I That's kind of it.
2: Yeah, I feel like I don't really have a ton to say about it. I I know that I owned this album, um, and there were a couple songs that one in particular. But it, I mean, it kind of speaks to I, the fact that I wasn't a hundred percent sure who that was when you played that yeah. clip. I think speaks volumes to, mm-hmm. to how much it resonated with me. But there's another, uh, yeah. What's your nine? My number nine, um, funny that you added a band so early that is not on Tooth and Nail because I also did at number nine. Um, This is, I believe, the oldest album that I have on my list. Um, It came out on September 11th, 2001, which is very interesting. I didn't know this until I researched it, Um, but I thought that was, I mean... There's not really any. Um, it, it's just kind of weird that it came out on that day, mm-hmm. um, but it is Pod Satellite.
1: Yeah, baby. Yes, I knew that would be here.
2: Okay, you—that was one of your predictions. Okay.
1: Whatcha? What? Hell yeah! What
2: an album. You You know what's funny? Funny you should play this song because. When, when i put when i put this album on my list i i put it as set it off
0: because yeah. i uh-huh.
2: couldn't remember what the name was yeah um and i think set it off is the title of tfk's or thousand of Crutch's yeah. first album that you mentioned before mm-hmm. um so i don't know for whatever but that's that song title and i think because it was the title or the first track of the album um I, I associated it with the name for whatever reason, but, um, uh-huh. so this, this album was, was huge, like not just on the Christian charts, but on, uh, like secularly as well. Um, it debuted at number six on the billboard 200, which, um, uh, was pretty wild for, for a band that, I mean, POD stands for payable on death, which is a very, um, overtly gospel oriented um and uh they they were nominated for multiple grammys for different songs on this album um alive was a big one youth of the nation um and portrait which i was surprised i didn't realize that was a single but i guess it was a later uh single um but they were on atlantic records um and yeah pod was was a big um was a big band for me like i don't i don't know um I don't really know how to describe their genre. Like, I, I I'm pretty terrible at um at telling you what uh like listening to a song and being like, oh, that's this genre or or whatever. But they're I, like they're like hard rock, metal. Um, yeah, uh, kind of new- call
1: it like it's definitely like either new metal or like groove rock. I would call it groove rock. Sure. Groove rock or groove metal.
2: Yeah. Like, and, and there are different songs. Like the first four songs on this album, I think were, um, were the, the ones that stood out for me the most. And that was alive youth of the nation boom, which we just played and set it off. Mm -hmm. And they were, yeah, like it was kind of like a Christian, Linkin Park a little bit like I, I don't know like it, it kind of filled that void at that yeah, time that for sure um, that I don't know that I was craving or whatever um, yeah they uh, they have some like reggae in there later mm-hmm. in the yeah. later in the album which is kind of interesting Um but uh yeah it was it's an it's an excellent album it's it's their best in my opinion um, mm-hmm. they're most critically acclaimed um, I feel
1: like I had more to say about this, but I can't think of it at the moment. Youth of a Nation, I checked the YouTube count, the play count for the music video. It has like 108 million views, which that, is crazy. That's so insane. This thing was, was huge. I remember I, when I was researching this again, I was just playing all these songs for Joy and I remember saying to her that like as soon as I played Boom, I was like, I feel like I'm in a layup line at a Christian basketball <laughs> tournament. Yeah, that was... Because this... it's like... That, that was, was a, a huge like, pump-up track yeah. for, for that era. Yeah, it was, um,
2: I may have even had it on... So when I was in grade 11, uh, I hated the pump-up music that they had uh, playing at our school. So I made my own um, that they started playing um, that I just basically put in the CD player and then they just press play and that's what was playing. But it was just yeah. a bunch of clean s- secular music plus... like some heavier Christian music here and there. Um, But uh, yeah, I think they actually, so this, this album would have come out between hybrid theory and Meteora. And I believe they went on tour with Lincoln park. Oh, okay. um, Because I uh, just, if I recall this correctly, the cantalos who we will probably, we've been bringing up numerous times on this podcast. I believe they went to, uh, to one of those shows. Uh, back then which would have been dope that would have been so cool and i i did actually get get a chance to see pod i think it was 2006 uh, because they came to um they came to battle cry which was this big um christian youth
1: rally um but that was the united states version so for us in canada it was acquire the fire Mm -hmm. that's right it was like like a like a weekend conference where there was like in the morning, it was like, uh, pastoral services and then like small group shit, and then they would get these massive bands to play, mm-hmm. um, in the evening. In the so evening. I saw Thousand Foot Crutch at one of these things, mm-hmm. and you saw Pod. I and, saw
2: I yeah. saw Pod, yeah, and and uh, I'm I'm trying to remember the other bands that were there because the American one was obviously a lot bigger. Like it was in yeah. a, it was at Ford Field in Detroit. So a football stadium, as opposed to uh, an American League hockey arena in uh, in, in Canada, um, but uh, Pod was the headliner, and Skillet I think was there. Um, Huge. Flyleaf I believe was supposed oh. to be there, but I haven't
1: heard that name. It,
2: in a decade yeah i was just i was listening to a columbia house party podcast where they were talking they were go, talking about paramore and yeah. uh she mentioned and uh uh the guest that they had on i can't remember her name but she mentioned that um paramore kind of got her into flyleaf and i was like flyleaf wow Whoa. that's yeah crazy um but they pulled out last minute I think because the singer had laryngitis or something like that. So, so they couldn't end up coming. Um, there were a few other bands I can't really remember, but that was the, that was the big one. Uh, POD, obviously that was, I mean, basically the reason I went. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I could talk more about those, um, those, uh, I don't know Christian rallies and altar calls and, conferences or whatever is and yeah. the problems that i have with those but that is a good memory from one of those for sure yeah
1: yeah i think um, well maybe we'll talk about this later but there, i think i, I want to discuss with you within this episode the idea of like violent imagery in christian aggressive music and then also like christian conferences like that we're talking about like the sword of the spirit and this like really really colonial vibe to it, which is like mm-hmm. f- like it read as like really cool back then, but yeah. it's like really really icky now,
2: really but, disturbing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and so totally anterior to like whatever the historical Jesus, whoever he was, would have would have been down for. But anyway, we can jump into that. I think I think whenever we hit Demon Hunter, that'll be the place to talk about that. Well, um, I think
2: that's gonna that's gonna come soon, I think. Yeah, yeah, for both um, of us. Yeah. So uh yeah, and I, I remember um from that concert being really disappointed, uh, because Sonny, who's the lead singer, um, is no is known for his very long dreadlocks. Um, and he cut them short. Like he just had short hair for this concert and that was that was um it was really sad. That's what I came to see, really. That's that's I came all the way from little small town Ontario to Detroit, Michigan. Um, and he cut his dreads. But um,
1: How inconsiderate.
2: It, yeah, it was sad. But uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Satellite,
1: my number nine. Pretty cool record. My number nine is... This is another album that was your album, but I'm not sure you listened to it all that much. Okay.
2: I think I got it. I think I got he? it. It's kill, switch,
1: engage. That's exactly right. It's kill, switch, engage as daylight dies. Once he gets those clean vocals going, this is what I was saying with my number nine sort of breaking from that formula because Howard Jones, who was their vocalist at the time, they've actually since gone back to Jesse Leach, which was their original vocalist. Um, he had a really, really unique voice in the the metal scene. Um and they were another band that like, were extremely popular in the mainstream. Um, hugely popular and hugely generative. Adam D. was like produced all of the records for Under Oath. Mm-hmm. They were on Roadrunner at the time. It was one of those bands that had that crossover appeal where they were like, you know. Yeah, my, like... my Curse,
2: I believe, was on Guitar Hero, was it? Exactly,
1: not? yes. That My Curse from that album was on Guitar Hero. It was huge. I don't remember which one, maybe three. Yeah, I think 3. Um but yeah, that that was the thing is they had they were they existed in that space where there might have been like general allusions to Christianity, but they were uh on you know, they moved past that sort of space where that that was that was the only place they could exist. And because of that, it was one of the bands As I Lay Dying and Killswitch were both bands that were I think so far so much more popular so much more in the mainstream appeal that at least our like sort of youth group community didn't talk about them nearly as much as the bands that were on solid state and were on tooth and nail um so because they i don't
2: they probably toured with sinners
1: exactly is the thing is like you probably like you know that was another strategic market strategy with tooth and nail and solid state bands was the touring package, which happened. I mean, it happens with every sort of band. Obviously there's a, there's a strategy to creating a tour package, but with a kill switch, they're going to be playing festivals with like, I'm pretty sure they they're playing. They were probably playing with like slip and stuff, which at the time in the minds of Christian parents was like the ultimate evil. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I couldn't really see them live, but luckily they existed in an in-between where we could get our hands on it again same sort of space with the soaring vocals like really sort of epic well a lot of these bands on my list or i guess maybe not a lot of them but they're they're sort of bordering on something a lot heavier um, right without without actually getting there so there's part of that i feel like makes
2: sense for that time like you mentioned before because you had to ease from smooth soft vocals and like ease into the the heavier darker
1: shit oh right it it was something that i'm talking about a lot i guess it all sort of coalesces this idea of like colonial violent imagery being really appealing to young christian men and how the bible is taught to people to read as sort of like sword of the spirit arm yourself with the armor of, of god and like the christian army and like even in like actual hymns and stuff it has this violent imagery and stuff but like um the thing about christian metal was at the time metal was scary like to me as like a i was like you know like nine years old when i first started listening to metal so some of it like re- actually scared me um and the reason i could listen to the to the christian metal was because there was some like underlining under underlying psychological awareness that it was on, like, the good side or whatever of this, like, spiritual warfare battle that it was, like, it was just scary enough to be, like, appealing while also having this, like, also semblance safe. of safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, and and I think that manifests itself most, like, explicitly and obviously in, like, the dual vocal of, approach of having harsh vocals and clean vocals mm-hmm. in the chorus. So... Yeah, I mean this this is gonna be something that keeps coming up. But that's my number nine. Awesome. Kill switch. And now we're getting into the actual solid state tooth and nail bands. We're
2: getting yeah, we're getting into the aforementioned um demon hunter. For you? So okay, I, I want you to guess which album guess. I chose.
1: Well, it's either the triptych or summer of darkness. It, I know that. Yep. Is it the triptych? It's the triptych, yeah. Okay.
2: That's right. So uh, I don't have a ton to say about this album mm-hmm. uh, other than I needed to put a Demon Hunter album on there um, just because they were a big band for me. They were a heavier band. But again, like we mentioned before, with the softer vocals, with the softer tracks, which I was pretty into. And even even still today, like I, I don't think I really gravitated um, to the insanely heavy stuff the same way that you did um, mm. and or have. Um, but, uh, yeah, Demon Hunter was, was, was a big band for me. Um, I (laughs) the, the moment on the album that stands out, uh, for me was I'm, I'm a sucker and this is, I, I, I haven't talked to many people about this, but I'm a sucker for an opening track like mm-hmm. i find that the opening track on an album is often either my favorite or one of my favorite tracks on the album um and this album had an intro track that was like this choir yeah um so it sounded really churchy really gospel really hymn like like the, this choir singing a hymn but it was to the tune of the guitar part right at the at the start of the second track and it bled right into it and and it kind of eased into like this this guitar lick and it uh oh it just got me fired up
1: that um thing the idea of opening tracks is more was more relevant then than it was now because people can skip between tracks and Mm -hmm. and you know shuffle the album and and pick singles and stuff because it's all sort of just like open on your laptop and you can move in between them but back then when when you're just looking at it on a disc command and all it says is like number one or whatever and it's not just totally available for you to like just futz around with i mean you can do that but like for the most part you're listening to an album sequentially all the way through so bands and i mean it still happens obviously but bands the first track was always like their best song that they thought of because you're hooking people into the album and that was that intro yeah i mean fuck yeah that was a those two albums i got into later and i got into demon hunter slightly later than you because you were just into heavier shit earlier than I was. Um, but yeah, Triptych was definitely the one that I latched on to earliest as well.
2: Mm-hmm. It was definitely the one I listened to the most. And I think it was at the, it, that was the peak of my Demon Hunter fandom. I think beyond that, that was when, and that makes sense that that's when you latched on because I know you listened to a lot of the albums after that pretty, mm-hmm. um, pretty aggressively um and i don't think i I wasn't really into them as much after that um but they uh yeah that that album was great um and uh yeah that's all i really have to say about it came out in 2005 it's 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 right along the theme that i was talking about before that 2004 to 2006 um era where i feel like a lot of these albums that i've chosen have come from so um right when i was in like grade 6 to grade eight um so
1: yeah that's about it that's cool um yeah i mean it makes sense we're we're an hour into this recording and we're only on number eight so maybe it's good that we have less to say about some of the (laughs) yeah for sure this might surprise you josh okay i'm gonna pull something up and you're gonna know it immediately but it might surprise you that it's my number eight okay
2: The almost, baby. Yeah, it is the almost. I if if I'd known that uh you're gonna put one of them on there, I wouldn't have mentioned them in my honorable mentions, but that's pretty cool. I wanted to just make a note that I think it's awesome that we're playing Guess the Song here, uh, because that was the staple of our childhood.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's funny that we just sort of slipped into that because that is one of my fondest memories is staying up all night on Christmas Eve and you pulling out your iPod classic attached to that like speaker that had it was a white speaker and it had those like two lifty things on oh the side my
2: god i totally forgot about that
1: and you would we we shared a room and we our 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 beds were like adjacent from each other and josh would just play songs and i would have to guess what they were and then we would do that for like six hours
2: <laughs> yeah that was crazy we did that yeah. numerous times too that was a that was a we can't sleep, so let's play a game situation, yeah. but we can't be too game. loud.
1: So yeah. don't play it on the stereo, yeah, play it on, the little <laughs> just on the little mini speakers. I was a big drummer, and there were a lot of times, a lot of just sessions where I would play only like Aaron Gillespie. he was just like a a really dynamic drummer in a way that uh, was really interesting for me to play to, Southern weather is one that meant a lot to me. Cause a lot of times I would just like put it on front to back and play because it had a few songs that were a lot slower uh, mixed in. So then I could like take a break and just like sort of play along and then get back into something heavy and just play along for the whole thing. So, and it's an album that I've returned to recently and Southern weather, I think is like almost a perfect rock song. Mm-hmm. Like it, it i've listened to it so often in the past few months even before we talked about doing this podcast because it's just reads to me as a perfect song it has that like i'm a sucker for like a minor chord like a switch up Mm -hmm. into a minor chord instead of a regular major and they do that right before he goes into the piano version of the chorus out of the bridge
2: oh right No, it, that's a great album.
1: Monster Monster also rules.
2: Air, yeah, Monster Monster, very good. Um, I I feel like I like them both equally. I don't know that I yeah. can choose one over the other. Um, For sure. But uh, I saw Gillespie, when he broke off from Under Oath, do um, do an acoustic set in Ajax.
1: Oh, I forgot about
2: that. Um, And it was... Kind of like a worship service because he was getting really yeah. into like the worship music and like getting really hyper Christian at that point.
1: He released like a worship album. I think, two yeah. of
2: them, two of them, okay. which I listened to a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Like that first that first worship album I listened to so much Uh, when Becca and I were first dating. That was like a staple in the car like that was in her car playing like for months Mm-hmm. Um, but he, yeah, so, uh, but he played Southern Weather. Um, nice. No, I don't.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Hands, is it hands? Mm-hmm. Um, Dirty and Left Out. Amazing oh, because yeah. it is. And Say It Sooner, which is my, that's, Ooh, that's, 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 that's the one for me, but that's the, that's the, um, that's another opener. That's the opener of the album you just mentioned, and yeah. I fucking love that song.
1: It's so good. It's it is such a fucking good song. Like <laughs> it holds up. There's a, this is something I'll say. I think a lot of the music we listened to when we were younger doesn't hold up for me mm-hmm. in in a meaningful way, and I yep. don't like return to it for anything other than like pure like nostalgia reasons. Yep. Um, but. The almost is one of those ones that is like those those two albums I'll still just listen to and I'll pull out the acoustic and I'll just like you know.
2: Yeah. So good. Drink
1: a couple of beers and play along and it's perfect.
2: Dirty and left out so when uh when grandpa first bought me um my recording stuff, like the Behringer recording equipment that you, you I have I think, it here in this apartment. Oh, do you really? Okay. I never knew where that went. But you can have it back. That's okay. It's okay because I barely play guitar anymore. So yeah, yeah. But that was one of the songs that I I recorded when I was playing around with it. I recorded it, and there's probably an Audacity project somewhere on an external hard drive somewhere uh, nice. of me playing that song and singing it and doing the backup vocals to my mm-hmm. uh, other vocals. But I could not hit. The, t- the the highest note uh, on the Harmony. It yeah. was just such a stretch and I would just screech it and it mm-hmm. sounds horrifying. But yeah. it, it's out there somewhere. Um, Did you put it on
1: the internet or is it just on a hard drive? No,
2: it's on a hard drive somewhere. I, I never, I don't think I ever showed it to anyone. Mm-hmm. I was too
1: embarrassed. I remember you playing it.
2: Yeah. No, that was a, that was a
1: big song for me too. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think... Early in my oh well, I remember a lot of times, like right before I started learning how to play the guitar, I remember you playing um Hand Grenade a lot
2: from mm-hmm. the Monster Monster album. That was that was a fun little riff. That opening that opening riff is um it was fun to play. Yeah, I like I I that's another really great song. Um
1: They, they both of those albums are packed with Great friggin' tracks, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Have you listened to their newer stuff? No, not at no. all.
2: I, 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 have. It's not nah. It's fine. I, I That's feel. The thing. I feel that those two albums are great, but um, and we'll get into it when we talk. I mean, I will almost inevitably talk about Under Oath. Yeah. Um, but I feel that Under Oath, um, Aaron Spencer Tim. Like they're the three big songwriters, and Chris more recently. But uh, I feel that they need each other. Mm. Like oh, they're they're excellent musicians, but they're at their best when they are working together. Right. Um. But uh, because I I feel that Aaron's recent stuff, like he's put out some solo music and like under just his name and and i it, it's fine um and i really respect him as a musician i used to idolize this guy mm-hmm. but um
1: same it's funny because we both idolized him because i like you were were a guitarist and a vocalist and he was he was a, he was an amazing vocalist and he wrote good songs on the guitar but he was also an amazing drummer so we like idolized him for like the two different things that he did Mm -hmm.
2: yeah he's a really dynamic musician he really is and he he actually has a business now um where he um he'll produce your music or he'll play on your music
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so like you tell him what i I don't know i don't know if this is entirely accurate actually but he was (laughs) i think during the pandemic he was doing something like that either he'd play on your music or he'd produce your music but you basically just send him a message, pay him a fee and he would like work with your shit. So that was Did pretty you see
1: Mike Mike Shinoda was doing that, but he's doing it for free. Yo,
2: Mike Mike is uh Mike's doing a lot of crazy shit right now.
1: He's like a Twitch streamer. Yeah, he, he, he every day. Just...
2: So I signed up for his uh and it we're, we're kind of getting off topic here, but I signed up for for text. So he texts me every day uh tell, telling me uh Tell me what he's up to on Twitch. That's funny. Yeah. Hilarious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot. I mean, you're well, you're well into Lincoln park. I think more than I am. So I'm sure you would have known this more than me, but yeah. Anyway, that's my number eight is the almost Southern weather. We'll talk about uh, the under oath some more later.
2: Okay. So um, my number seven is another non tooth and nail band and it is the most recent album that has been released on my list hmm. um it came out in 2009 so hmm. i kind of put the cut off at 2010 which is when i graduated high school because um, i felt that i think that there are better albums than i have on this list but i've kind of formulated it in a way that um it's more like albums that i listened to a lot growing up and that meant a lot to me growing up yeah. when i when i was at home essentially yeah. when i still lived with with our parents for sure so this one is at the tail end of that mm-hmm. and it is need to breathe the, ah, o- okay. the outsiders
1: yeah i was wondering if i was thinking about them today i was wondering if i should put them on but i didn't Yep.
2: Yeah. so this band this is an ex. they're an excellent band and this actually kind of this album kind of um, um, illustrates the way that my musical taste started changing at that point.
1: It's definitely different than everything else on it's, both of our lists.
2: It's very different, and and I think that um, the reason that I liked it. Um, every track on this album is completely different. Like it Mm. sounds different from the, like, it's not like um, it's not like what are some bands that it's not like a green day album where pretty much every song sounds the same, but I love it because it's green day. (laughs) Um, It's like every song was completely different. And Aaron Roper actually got me into this band um, on Mm. Uh, we took a trip to Waterloo when we were both deciding what university to go to. And we had both applied to this university and he was taking a visit. So we carpooled there uh, and he got me into this band. And um, yeah, like I, I don't know there, there are another, I would, I would call them at times Southern rock no, no, for sure. But then this album is kind of a number of different things. Um,
1: I'd call it, Indie folk bordering on country music at times,
2: yeah. Which, for which, for me, honestly, is it's wild that I liked it as much as I did and that I like yeah. it as much as I did. I still love this album, um, for sure.
1: I they've released a number of really solid records, yeah. I, I, I
2: up until recently, uh, Need to Breathe was a staple in my music listening rotation, mm-hmm. um, but, um. Yeah, the, the Outsiders being a big one, like having banjo in it. Like yeah. I, I remember f- feeling like banjo was just something that I didn't want to listen to. Uh, I associated it with, with the hoedowns that we used to do at Grandma and Grandpa's place, which when I was a child, I was like, oh, man, like bluegrass, country music. I don't like this shit. Yeah, but I remember like,
1: it being agonizing. Yeah, and we were like, we were in the presence of like incredible musicians. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just like, what the fuck? Our, is our
2: family this? is a <laughs> very musical, talented, musically talented family, and uh, I, I'm, uh, it bums me out that we didn't appreciate it as much as we did because yeah, um, uh, we don't jam as much as we used to, and I think you and I, you and I, kind of jumped in. Um, in our adult life, a little bit, yeah. but, um, and Grandpa being in his nineties now, it's a little harder for him to play guitar. But that's just what he loved to do. Yeah, just farm and play gu- guitar. Yeah, and, uh, and the,
1: this record sort of paved the way for a lot of what I think both of us and the world at large, to be fair, uh, got into right after sort of need to breathe came up. Because I'm pretty sure 2009 is the same year. Or no, it's two thousand. I think
2: I know where you're going with this. Two thousand ten, Mumford and Sons. Yes, exactly. Came out. Mm-hmm. So
1: Mumford and Sons, the Lumineers, of yeah. Monsters and Men. This is this is when indie folk went into the stratosphere, essentially, and need to breathe. It, it's cool that you got into them right before this, mm-hmm. because that's sort of when things took off, and they were doing it even sort of in that uh, era before.
2: That uh, that album just really stood out for me. That was the first Need to Breathe album that I got into, and it was right at the tail end of my high school time. So um, I, I felt
1: like I had to include that. I remember you listening to this album, and I didn't really get into it at all um, until later. I think it was something that it's so funny to talk about because it's probably like the opposite of some people, but like it was... I didn't like it. It was like inaccessible to me because I was only into heavy music. Yep. At the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember hearing like you played it in the car a bit because mom and dad liked it, which was cool because yep. you were into something that we could play in the car. Yep. Um, which before that it was basically just the Beatles that we listened to in the car. The, and the Beatles
2: and and uh showbred Age of Rep- Reptiles, oh, which yeah. we mentioned yeah. before, which I'm not really sure. what like i guess it was it was not as heavy as uh as as nihilism
1: yeah exactly um yeah for sure so that was something that i i remember listening to it and being like i can't believe you're listening to this like what the fuck is this what is wrong with you you've changed you're softening who are you joshua are you ready for my number seven i sure am fuck yeah hell yeah Oh my god! So that's the that's the remake version. I didn't play the original version because the auto was giving me some guff earlier. But my my the 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 album I'm I'm taking is Never Take Friendship Personal. Yes. Rather than Cities. Okay. Cities is the one that I think Cities was actually one of the first albums that I bought myself. Yes. Because it it was right. I don't know if it was. I guess it came out in 2005. I can You're still tell buying you albums. I can tell you it was 2007. Oh, oh, I see. Right. I have. <laughs> I just looked at "Never Take Friendship Personal" and said "Cities" came out in 2007. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's funny. I. It was one of the. Yeah, one of the first ones that I. Because you were contributing pretty heavily to our music. Mm-hmm. Uh, collection. Mm-hmm. Just because I think you were getting a higher amount of money from your paper route. <laughs> yep. And you also had Sears catalogs and that sort of stuff. So uh, you were getting, you know, contributing to it a lot more. I was I, I was fucking rich. I had so much fucking yeah, money. Yeah, you were swimming in it. And uh, records, that, it's so funny to think back. Records at um, CD-ROMs of records, uh, not ROMs, CDs at New Vision, which was our local... Small town Christian music and bookstore. They were twenty five bucks.
2: Oh wow, I don't remember that.
1: Twenty five bucks. That was like a normal price. Sometimes they were twenty nine, sometimes they were nineteen, but for the most part, it's twenty four ninety nine for a, a fucking CD, which is so crazy to think about now. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm totally off track. Amberlynn, never take friendship personal. I picked this one over cities, even though cities was. My intro to them, and it's probably the one that I listen to more. But something that was very important to me was when I first got the iPod Classic, which I don't remember the year. I couldn't fucking tell you what year that was. I I can
2: tell you what year that was.
1: Okay, it was after you. I think that was
2: no, no, it wasn't. It was at the same time, I believe. The same Boxing Day. It was the same Boxing Day. Um, It was Christmas 2006.
1: Okay, well there you go. Mm-hmm. 2006. So I guess I got the iPod. Maybe I was listening to Emberland before Cities because when I got the iPod Classic, there was a thing on iTunes where there were some like free videos because part of the it was the idea was that it was a video iPod was part of the appeal yep. of this. Before it was an iPod Touch, it was a video iPod, so you could put movies, you could put music videos on there, um, and for free there was a collection of live tracks from cornerstone 2005 i think uh, yeah this a very very big um christian music festival in the states uh at the time it was humongous we know ne- i never went i don't think you ever went i think the cantalos, no, the cantalos we did
2: go yeah. and i was i uh, i can remember talking to mark and being like yeah when we're a little bit older we'll go to cornerstone Cause that yeah because cor- it, cor- it was pretty cool like
1: cornerstone uh, was essentially like uh the pilgrimage to Mecca for young adult Christian boys yeah it was like youth group um, kids.
2: I'm trying to think of a comparable secular like a like a warp tour I guess
1: yeah exactly I think yeah. that's perfect uh warp tour would be the equivalent just like just unbelievably huge bands like all of the biggest bands for that subgenre are at cornerstone so on my video iPod excuse me I loaded up a bunch of those music videos, and that was how I found a lot of music. Was from that. And I remember A Day Late was a song by Amberlynn that I could listen to for free the live sort of music video playthrough of it. Um, and that was from Never Take Friendship Personal. And that was a song that music video I listened to. I, we've talked uh, in the past episode. I don't know if we're releasing the first episode or not, but we talked about the fact that I got re- I would get really obsessive about single tracks, and I would listen to them over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over until I got sick of it. And that was one of those tracks. So "Feel Good Drag" is a meaningful track as well that comes from this album because you played "Feel Good Drag" live at our Christian school's 30-hour famine.
2: That is correct. Yeah. I uh so cool. Me and a few of my friends vocalist. Yes, I was the vocalist. I was solely a vocalist. I was a, I was the lead man. But uh me and a few of my friends um put a band together. I think that's that was like my dream come true. I always wanted to be in a band. I was never good enough at an instrument. I was never a good songwriter, but um a few of my friends were interested enough to um Play a few covers at uh, at our thirty hour famine, and that was our opener. Was feel good drag, which was pretty dope, actually.
0: Yeah,
1: that was a sick song, and he, you guys only picked it because Isaac knew how to play the. Isaac, solo. yeah, I, Isaac wanted to play it
2: really bad because yeah. he knew how to play the guitar solo, and he wanted it's to go off song, yeah. his
1: guitar solo. <laughs> and he killed it. He fucking yeah, he it. was
2: he was Isaac. Isaac was a good guitar player.
1: Yeah, I remember actually, I played for you at a 30-hour family. one year. year. The, the next year, yeah. The only song I remember playing is She by Green Day. She
2: by Green Day, and we played Not Now by Blink-182. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's right. And, and I forgot. I, you d- oh, my only memory, so there's two memories from that. So that's one okay. of those, that 30-hour famine where you played was, uh, I have like one of my most cringy like, shower like think about a cringy moment from your childhood in the shower moments really okay where um the previous year we were on the big stage yeah in our gym Mm -hmm. so we were like above everyone there's like a bunch of people jumping around and i was like yeah like getting the crowd into it getting them to jump and then (laughs) This time and then this year, we were on the floor. Yeah, which kind of like on
1: against the wall,
2: just against the wall. And uh, uh, during she, after the part where he goes, yeah, I was like, everybody jump, and no one jumped.
1: (laughs) that's amazing a bunch of like 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 40 15 year old children that have only drank like juice crystals for the past uh, 26 hours i guess and they're all just staring at you with wide eyes
2: that was that was that is still a moment that pops into my head as like and probably no one remembers nobody remembers
1: i didn't even remember and i was in the band
2: yeah so and another another thing i remember is we didn't put so we were a just on the down. gym floor. We didn't put a mat under your under your bass drum. So it started moving, moving away yeah. from you. And Mrs. Mm-hmm. Wiles had to come up and push it back into place. And what <laughs> I did- I didn't notice because I was just fucking yeah. singing my
1: heart out. So Mrs. Wiles did that the first time. She pushed it back for me. Um, and then it was continuing to be an issue. So I, I made eye contact with Thomas Vink. And I'm like- Get over here, and he just like stood in front of the drum kits to like counterweight it so that it wouldn't move. Oh, I don't for the, remember that for the rest of the set. That's so he was funny. just standing in front of me for the rest of it, which was funny. <laughs> um. So shouts out to Tommy B for for the assist on that. But anyway, Anne Berlin, never take friendship personal. Sort of like um, I don't even really know. It's definitely essentially adult contemporary music. A little bit, maybe a little bit heavier rock. Um, But yeah, I mean, I listened to it again and it holds up. And I listened to them play it live, and they're a really good band. They play incredibly live. So,
2: yeah, they're unbelievable. Um, very meaningful for me. That's and it a, was
1: one of the ones I found in the Christian section of Chimleys.
2: That's a band that I would still pay to see live for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm really, they, they dis-
1: it was one of the many Christian bands that disbanded for about three years and then came back. And then came back. Yep. Yeah
2: yeah if they, if they came back to canada I, oh, I would definitely go see them for sure let's do it let's do it
1: all what right your number 7 my son or number 6 i think i'm
2: number 6 now yeah here we go um my number 6 so this may actually come as a surprise to you that it's so low on my list
1: oh god wait can i guess yes you're number 6 then an uh If it's not me without you or Under Oath or Thousand Foot Crutch, I don't know.
2: It is Under Oath. What? It is. It is because I have multiple Under Oaths on my list.
1: Oh, okay. I did one album. I did one album per artist.
2: See, I did, but I made an exception for that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, It's they're only chasing safety. That th- this was probably one of the more seminal albums of my childhood. Uh it uh in that song specifically Reinventing Your Exit, um, another callback to that solid state mix album. Um that is the song that really got me into Underoath. Um, it was just um it had mainstream appeal too like it, huge mainstream huge appeal. mainstream appeal that album was massive um they they really were like um in general like pioneers of screamo and emo music so like heavier emo music i would say this album was was huge with that um that uh reinventing your exit so I, again, I'll, I'll call back Pure Volume because I can remember uh, people at church talking about Under Oath and how Under Oath was so awesome. And so I looked them up on Pure Volume and the only song I could listen to was When the Sun Sleeps.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember uh, this Which, I is, on, randomly. Yeah, which is on. Yeah, which is on their our, first album
2: or their first album or their technically their third album. Right. Um, but The first two are like demos. Yeah, the first two are really raw. uh really raw albums um, with like 9 minute songs um and uh when the sun sleeps was, it was it was kind of weird like it had this like weird techno metal vibe to it um mm. and i was like this is fine this is okay um i didn't really like the way that dallas taylor screamed
1: right it was a different scream it was it wasn't a different like, uh, spencer
2: yeah so so this album chasing safety was their first album with Spencer. Um, and uh, Dallas actually has a credit on the lyrics for reinventing your exit. Um, Cause I guess they had started writing the songs from the album when he was still in the band, but he left the band. Um, Spencer joined the band. Grant and James also joined the band and that they became their, um, the lineup that they are today for this album. Um, and, um, I remember thinking, oh, I do know if they're fine. Like that's kind of okay. And then I heard reinventing your exit and watched the music video on the, uh, on the solid state, uh, CD DVD combo that mom got us for Christmas one year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being like, this is awesome. This is so totally good. Different. I loved the way that Spencer screamed. I love, I loved Aaron's vocals. They were so clean. Um, it was just the perfect mix of heavier music and um like more punky, like I don't know, like like uh, like, like radio it, friendliness. Radio friendly. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um accessibility. Accessibility yeah. and that re- I just got so into under oath. Like this I was I listened to this album so much. This was a stable on my CD player that we had. Yeah. Um, it was unreal. Um, uh, I looked into a lot of the lyrics. It's a lot about like premarital sex and breakups and, right. and just hardcore guilt about that. Yeah. Um, yes. and I think, so <laughs> when I, I, I read, um, I read a quote from Aaron Gillespie about it's dangerous business walking out your front door.
1: Um, which is a lord of the rings quote which
2: is a lord of the rings quote that that is and it, yep that's true um and just about what it's about because it's clearly about driving a car it's some sort of car wreck um but this is the quote and this is the epitome of christian emo right here oh, okay here so listen to this quote um about what the song means Um, this is from Aaron Gillespie. It says, I was 20 years old when Spencer and I wrote that song. We had this idea about what happens when you love someone, really love them, truly love them. In the Bible, it says that we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which is an impossibility because we don't have the capacity to love like Christ does. And it's impossible. So we had this morbid idea that there would be this guy, he would be driving a car. And if you read the lyrics, the verse involves a car accident. There's this guy and he's driving his car and he's so in love with this girl that he decides to kill them both. He's so in love with her that he realizes it it is impossible to love her the way he's supposed to. So he decides to just drive off the road. That's the narrative line of the story in the song. But it's really about loving someone and knowing that you'll never be able in your capacity to love them the proper way. Hmm. (laughs) And if that is not the most Christian emo thing you've ever heard i don't know what it is
1: yeah it's funny it's like a illustrative of of the sort of um really fucked up uh ramifications that um sort of religious based um like emotional and sexual uh suppression has on on a young male psyche you know, mm-hmm. like that's that's the way they the way they illustrated the idea of not being able to love someone like Christ is to kill them. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> again, really a call back
2: to. Uh, yeah, a callback to as I lay dying, where
1: the yeah, only solution yeah, yeah, is death. Yeah, sure, sure. To death do us part. It all makes sense now that's hilarious i am surprised well i guess i'm not surprised if you have another album so we're gonna have three my guess is we'll have three under oath albums on this list in that case
2: that is correct and one of them uh that i think is on your list is one that i left off of my honorable mentions
1: um and i thought about i thought about putting a fourth
2: oh i think i might know what it is but um, i'm sure you do
1: okay let me pull something up. This is an uh, artist we've already talked about. Baby! Demon oh, Hunter, Strong against of Hell. This is the album. Right after the triptych, mm-hmm. um, it's another one that you got before I got. I have a very really another. I'm, yeah, it was the last Demon Hunter album that you bought. Wow. And then I took over for the rest of them, but it was. Uh, I think it was already on the tail end because I think I have a really distinct memory of you and I having a conversation in the van of Parkdale, waiting for mom and dad to stop talking to the cantaloupes. Because <laughs> <laughs> many many times we would just be sort of like sitting there after church and the cantalos and my parents would talk. Cause I mean, to be fair, they're like, they're, they're like best friends. And this is like the only time they would chat was after church on a Sunday. So it makes sense now, but like back then they would talk until like, they started turning the lights off in the church mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, we would just be sitting there just waiting. So I have a very distinct memory of us talking about who was going to buy storm, the gates of hell from new vision because it was about to come out oh wow and you bought it turns out um and this is a record that i think it yeah part of it there's a weird thing about ownership i feel like for me as as um maybe in terms of because of being like a younger brother and and trying to sort of um figure out who i am as, like, a person that is, like, unique from you, who you are. Because, like, just naturally the expectations of who you were as a person will then eventually fall to me. Right. Um, in terms of, like, I'm thinking specifically of playing volleyball and watching hockey, mm-hmm. which were two things I didn't really care about. But, like, I felt, like, pressure from adults to do both of these things because you were like known for being a huge fan of hockey and being an also gold medalist in volleyball. So, silver I medalist. We... Oh, silver medalist. Unfortunately, sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, Casa gold medalist. Oh yes. Um, but anyway, uh, I think it, that extended to media for me at least, and it was something that I well, I wasn't like consciously working through it until like later in high school but like there was a thing about ownership i think with like music in terms of like these are josh's bands and i'm just like listening to them you know like Mm -hmm. which is true of a lot of people i think like just you feel like you own a band when you become like a huge fan of them um and then uh so the interesting thing is I had my own bands that I listened to and I like held them tight because they were like, Oh, I found these Josh didn't help me find these. These are my, these are my bands or whatever. And, um, I think it was a weird thing of like hand me downs for some bands as well. where like, as soon as you stopped buying those records, I like, you, they're passed mine these, now. They, you passed those bands to me and they were my bands. Now it was like, so demon hunter was one of them. And, uh, under Oath, to a lesser extent, was was one of those, I think. Um, but I think Demon Hunter was a big one because it was such a big band for you. Um, and then you sort of just, like, moved past them or something like that, or it just wasn't as big of a – didn't resonate as, as much as it used to. And then I sort of, like – I became, like, a super fan of Demon Hunter after you. Mm-hmm. And Storm of the Gates of Hell was that first album where it started shifting. Mm-hmm. Um, From uh, me uh, just sort of harvesting your music taste to something that I really, really, truly liked on my own terms. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot more to say other than that. It it has the same sort of ballady vibe. It has really strong, uh, ferocious tracks. And it has, I think this is the perfect example of an album that has this like, violent imagery of like it's the albums literally called storm the gates of hell it's like and the band is called demon hunter i mean come on like like <laughs> it's almost like comical it's like a parody of this sort of concept of a religion christianity which is supposed to be like you would assume supposed to be about like passivity and love and forgiveness and acceptance and sort of twisting it to be like crusadey like like, the world is against us. The secular world is attacking Christianity. We need to arm ourselves and fight back against <laughs> the demons of the world. And this was like, as a boy, I was like, it was it was appealing because, you know, passivity and forgiveness as, like, a young adolescent is not that appealing. No. So then when you include, you know, something like Storm the Gates of Hell, it's like, oh, now it's cool. It's like, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, turning christianity into like a video game or something like that (laughs) so uh i think that's it's the epitome of that i would have to like go back and listen to it but it has that like problemacy of being super super colonial and Mm -hmm. super super sort of yeah like a real invasion uh conquest-y sort of vibe um but it meant a lot to me at the time
2: yeah yeah, great. I don't have a ton to say about that one, just because I feel, even though I owned it, that I don't really remember a ton about it. I do remember that song, but mm-hmm. yeah,
1: let's let's hit our top five. All right, there, let's
2: get into our fives. My number five is so uh, another pre two thousand four album. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first albums that I owned myself. I believe um unless unless this was yours I, I I'm actually not a 100% sure. Um but it is thousand foot crutch phenomenon.
0: Throw up your rock fist if you are feeling it when I drop this. Show now we blow this spot. Let's make it have the shocker with the body rocks right
2: So the body Yeah. Came out in 2003. I think
1: this is our first crossover album
2: oh very good i i wondered about that
1: let's just say because this was technically my number four but let's call it my number five as well so we're talking about both of our number fives tfk phenomenon sure
2: okay um yeah so came out in 2003 Uh, one of us got it for our, our birthday it was you it was me okay um because set it
1: off by Thousand Foot Crutch, was the first album I ever bought okay. myself. Okay. The first album I ever bought must have been 2002. Gotcha. Uh, right when I was starting to get enough money to to buy albums or maybe I, – I don't know exactly why. But I got a Walkman and Thousand Foot Crutch set it off okay. on the same day. Gotcha. Or a Discman, sorry.
2: I, I think the first album that I owned was The Anatomy of the Tongue-in-Cheek by Reliant K. I think that was the first one.
1: Other than 90 Quick.
2: Other than 90 Quick, which I'm sure will come up on future episodes. Uh, we should have Isaac on. We should have Isaac on, yeah. Or Adrian, for that matter.
1: Or Adrian, yeah. <laughs>
2: Might as well. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, Phenomenon, like Thousand for Crutch, uh, especially earlier on. Um, I mean, this album is a little more hard rock, I would say.
1: Yeah, the set it off album is really, really rap-rocky. Mm-hmm. It has a little bit of punk. It has a slight bit of almost new metal in some sections. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, Christian contemporary. But when Phenomenon hits, it's much, much more sort of radio-friendly rock mm-hmm. type of stuff.
2: Yeah, and but it rules. Yeah, it's great. Rock fist. I think Rock fist was uh, apparently top forty on
1: mainstream radio yeah it, it became like an r- actual hit that
2: was a big song I, I looked through the lyrics of Phenomenon it's it's kind of funny I looked through Set It Off as well because I wasn't sure which one to pick same um, but both of these albums the lyrical content is really funny because it's basically it's either lyrics about people that are down on their luck and they need yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. uh, and that Jesus will just make them feel better or and or they'll they need to believe a little bit harder or it's about we're TFK and we're gonna rock this fucking party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's basically it.
0: one or, <laughs> one or the other. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, those are the two spaces they existed in for sure. And I have, um, yeah, again, I' I'm, I'm as we're talking about these records, I'm, I'm just having like memories come back. I have a memory of you and I cleaning our room together. And listening to Phenomenon on on our stereo, um, it was yeah. I mean, it was a huge record for both of us.
2: Yeah, one one of my most listened to on this list, I think, Same. just because we had it so early and we had so little music before yeah. that point. Um, mm-hmm. so that like I remember like uh, listening to it again, I was like, whoa, this is transporting me back to like grade. Five or grade six or whatever like it's yeah. crazy so um yeah uh it's interesting I looked into the uh the history of TFK and they were they're from Peterborough Ontario just like Hawk Nelson I believe mm-hmm. um and uh they started off as a band called Oddball uh and I feel like the, like I could be totally off on this but um they used to come to Belleville which is their hometown and uh play shows there um just as a local Christian band that toured around and their drummer was uh the drummer from 3 Days Grace um back I mean uh, when they had their old Oddball album this was shortly before their Set It Off album um but I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, another big Canadian band in the secular sector. Um, really similar vibes. Very similar vibes for sure. Um, but uh, I I believe the Cantelos. I don't know if they like used to go to their shows and then hang out with them after, or like whether they like came to our church. I can't remember. There like some there's some sort of weird crossover there where they knew where they were like friends with them back in the day mm, um but that's cool um they got really big like um i think i i mentioned nhl like the nhl games um their song fire it up which came up late which came later uh was on one of the nhl games um like they uh yeah they sung about jesus but they had the odd song that was just like let's get the adrenaline pumping yeah. and it was they're pretty great
1: yeah that's sort of what i was this is a good example i guess of what i was talking about where where there's like a formula to the record in terms of like we need this many ballad songs for christian radio we need two ones that might hit secular and then the rest we're just going to like fill out with sort of slightly heavy tracks for the youth group or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah i remember thinking that like I remember listening to Faith, Love and Happiness and thinking it was like the greatest song I had ever heard up until that point in my life.
2: Yeah, I was really into that one too, for sure. And I Climb. I Climb was, yeah, that I listened to that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good album.
1: Good, good album. record. Uh, it's both of our number fives. hit our top fives. Interesting. This uh, This won't be our only crossover, I but th- it is. I
2: think there will be one more. There will be one more. There will be one more for sure.
1: Shall you uh, jump into your number four
0: now? Okay, now that sure. we're on to four. So. Okay,
2: this one will be fairly quick, I think. Um, but it is Reliant K, uh, and it is. Can you guess which one? I want you to guess.
1: I'm guessing, two lefts don't make a right.
2: That is incorrect.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. that's right. Another
2: another 2004 release. Um, this.
1: This is funny that we're talking about this because th- we're going to talk about this album specifically again in the pop punk album or the pop 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 punk probably podcast. yeah
2: okay because I guess it must be pretty seminal seminal for you as well but um it oh yeah it, uh that this was Reliant K's peak as far yeah, as mainstream sure. um and this was where they kind of um moved from kind of goofy clever lyrics just being kind of like this misogynistic this fun well yeah misogynistic (laughs) there are some really problematic songs on some of their early records um but kind of they kind of matured a little bit musically and lyrically um and they had songs this is another case where um they released um two songs specifically to mainstream radio and they were pretty big like i can remember be my escape had a video on mtv or on much yeah. music when we were younger mm-hmm. like we used to watch that at Andrews house mm-hmm. um and that was uh yeah I remember that that was really cool I like I remember getting really excited because I was a big reliant K fan and they were like on much music and who I am hates who I've been as well that was another big one yeah and then uh but then high of 75 uh life after death and taxes which is another mm-hmm. f- fun play on words there were Matt Thiessen was really was is very clever with his little play on words. Um He's Canadian, did you know that? No.
1: I didn't know that. He was he was born in St. Catharines, but he moved to Ohio like when he was 3. I did
2: not know that. That's very this interesting. Um That's really funny. Yep. Um and then I so hate consequences as well. Those were Christian singles. Um oh, okay. and the one I'm waiting for, which I th- which another opener, probably mm-hmm. my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. Um uh, is it's rumored to be about Katy Perry? Yeah, because Matt Thiessen dated Katy Perry back in the day. Um, because she
1: was a Christian artist, she was like Kate Hudson.
2: That's right. Time. Yep. Yeah, which is a, a pretty well. I don't. That is not. That is a rumor. That has never been confirmed that that's who that song's about. But um, it seems like it could be plausible. Um, but that's my number four
1: all right that album rips and we'll talk about it again on a new episode because it's honestly that album and forget and not slow down are like perfect albums that I still think are perfect albums mm-hmm.
2: I would agree Unbelievable. those are those are their two best I hundred uh, percent for sure
1: um my number four uh, we'll go through this quick because I know for sure that you didn't listen to this band at all do you know who it is i'm
2: gonna guess i okay uh is it devil wears prada it is devil wears Prada.
1: <laughs> this is my newest album on the list as well 2009 uh with roots above and branches below um This is one of those bands that I was talking about where it was like sort of my band that I found. I have no idea how or where I found it. Um, It honestly might have been like ninth grade, like when I started hanging out with like Mark Woodall and Jordan Badias, Because again, Devil Wars Prada was on a large record label. It wasn't solid state. So they had that mainstream appeal uh, and they were sort of existing between two worlds. Um, And it might have been them that showed it to me.
2: Yeah, I, I, I actually, until recently, didn't even realize they were a Christian band.
1: Yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, there was a few people. I, a few pe- I remember being in Bible class in tenth grade and and listening to Devil Wars Prada with with some cool Christian kids. At the time, um, but yeah, not much to say. This album was more aggressive, I think, than anything I had listened to before, even though it's still metalcore, but I think the vocals were just really, really sort of like knuckle-draggy, like animalistic, like caveman vocals in a way that I wasn't used to. Mm-hmm. And they they did like two, they, they would layer vocals on top of each other to sound even more like sort of demonic. Even still, they had the clean vocals, but um, it, it, it it was starting to push me toward where I would end up. I think in terms of the metal that I listen to now. Sure. And that's kind of it. Uh meant a lot to me. I assume it passed you by completely. So why don't we hit our top three? But before we do that
2: A message from our spawn No, I'm kidding. Um no. so uh yeah, we're gonna predict each other's top three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um I mean the the album that We've kind of been mentioning, but not uh but not actually saying it. Um, I believe is both in both of our top threes. And in fact, I'm going to predict that it's both of our number ones. Uh it's Brother Sister by Me Without You. That's correct. Um your uh your under oath album that uh we had not specifically mentioned is going to be Lost in the Sound of Separation. Uh-huh. The other album.
1: If you think about it, again, I, we talked about them already. I
2: think that I could be off base on this, but is it becoming the archetype
1: dichotomy? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you nailed, <laughs> nailed it. Nailed it. Now, I don't know yours. I know it's brother, sister. I know it's Define the Great Line. Yep. I'm not sure if I can guess your third.
2: Okay. So I kind of gave you a hint prior because it's a mm. band that you had mentioned uh it's in your top 10 you've mentioned the album already um i
1: oh 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 Amberlin city yeah, that's correct yep okay that's
2: right so uh so what is the order so my well, number three
1: is amberland cities that's incorrect
2: what my number three
1: define the great despite
2: life. this being my favorite Band, probably my favorite band overall of any Christian band that I listen to is Define the Great Line.
1: Wow. Yes. Okay.
2: The second album that we saw in its entirety live came out in 2006. This was, um, this was considerably more heavy than They're Only Chasing Safety. Um, and it kind of, um, like you mentioned before about your transition from softer music into heavier music, this was kind of my pivot point um, just because I loved Chasing Safety so much and I loved Under Earth as a band so much. Um, and uh, Spencer's vocals really transitioned. I think they mentioned, I, I can't cite this for sure, but I feel like they mentioned that on the first album that he was on, he felt like he needed because da- I, th- I think because Dallas had um, partially assisted with writing some of the music on chasing safety, he felt like he needed to scream like Dallas, mm. like kind of emulate the way that Dallas screamed, which is kind of like a monotone, like not really dynamic scream. And to find the great line, he's kind of like comes into his own a little bit. It's a lot more heavier. It's, more dynamic scream more like I don't know it's just I don't really know how to describe it but um and uh much more heavy as I mentioned the lyrics are more um uh a little more raw I would say a little more like still pretty Christian in certain areas um but um I mean, Define the Great Line in itself, the name um, and actually produced by um, Adam D. Adam D. That's correct. And Matt Goldman. um, Adam D. from Killswitch Engage, which you mentioned before. Um, But the name Define the Great Line um, as per Chris Dudley is about defining that line for yourself between becoming the man or woman that you want to be and the man or woman that other people want you to be. So it's like a lot of the, yeah, acutely aware of the line that separates their spiritual core from the painful reality of being human. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's where they start their spiritual struggle, um, which inevitably becomes more and more of a struggle as the albums continue into the point where they're not even a Christian band anymore. Um, and, uh yeah i don't know this this um one memory of this i bought this with um uh, graduation money for my grade <laughs> 8 graduation um yeah. and it was yeah. money from my grandparents who we mentioned before uh, mm-hmm. uh who used to um, play a lot of bluegrass music still love bluegrass music Um, and they uh were th- they stayed at mom and dad's house for my graduation. And I remember the morning after I had bought the CD with the money that they gave me and, uh, mom, we were sitting in the living room and mom was like, I hadn't even put the CD in yet. I hadn't listened to it, but mom was like, Hey Josh, you want to, uh, show grandma and grandpa what you used your graduation money on. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> So I put the I put the album in and play it, and uh, in regards to myself starts with just this ridiculous lick. Yeah. So I and I don't really remember what the reaction was. I think they were just um, silent. Silent. Yeah, they didn't really say anything. Um, yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> and
1: still to this day, their conception of what like young people listen to, I think has been colored by that one, experience. by that one, that one clip. Because they talk about it. They don't talk about that, that moment, but they'll talk about like the music that kids listen to now these days and reference that sort of genre.
2: Yeah. So that, that's my, <laughs> that's uh, a memory that stayed with me for a long time. But yeah, that, that's my number three.
1: My number three is an album that you bought. Again. I'm in the archetype dichotomy yeah this is funny because it was an album that you bought but i this became probably this might be my most listened to album on this entire list um at the time Mm -hmm. um uh, uh, of our adolescence and it it sort of this is the best illustration of what the type of music that i would then listen to in high school and the beginnings of university because it has no clean vocals and it's like purely melodic death metal. It, it, it works off the formula of a band called at the gates, which was like a Swedish death metal band. They essentially created melodic death metal with their, um, with their album from 1995. And uh, that's sort of the, the path that I followed after sort of, like, once I got into actual, like, what we would have called secular music at the time. Um, once I got into, you know, At the Gate, Slaughter of the Soul, and Black Dahlia Murder, and all of that sort of, uh, you know, even a monomarth and, and Sifiram. The stuff that, that has to, it, it is sort of, you know, European or European style melodic death metal. This is the best illustration of what I would listen to in the future um and i have very strong memories of listening to it on the way to pei i have very very mm. strong memories of listening to it and i remember the landscape of like new brunswick passing me by as listened to this album and and like and listening to this album and like almost crying because <laughs> because just being like this is the perfect this is per i've never listened to something so perfect <laughs> like i legitimately thought it was the best album i've ever heard at the time um which was only 3 or 5 years after i told myself that tfk's phenomenon was the best <laughs> record i'd ever heard at the time
2: yeah that's quite so, a that's quite a shift
1: yeah track you can track my progression
0: i guess absolutely
2: uh yeah great album um definitely did not listen to it as much as you um but i i did i always loved um, the instrumental aspect of becoming the archetype, um, like that little, uh, like even on the track that you played, that little like medieval sounding, uh, clip at the beginning, um, it's just so it's it's just unique and the, and like you mentioned, a very European, um, yeah, and and I've listened to bands that you've listened to that you listen have listened to after that point. And uh, I can kind of see where the inspiration is drawn from. Um, I-, I do remember. Um, is this the album where they do a cover of "How Great Thou Art"? Yes. Yeah. So I-, I-, I can remember listening to that one a lot. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. That's a a funny little relic of of a period of time. It was uh yeah a melodic death metal cover of of How Great Thou Art? Yep.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, an ancient hymn.
1: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I think that... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was farther along the, per- the progression of not needing clean vocals anymore, but even within their music, there's, like... It is pretty aggressive, melodic death metal, but it is melodic, extremely melodic, and they're adding those sort of, like, slightly neoclassical instrumentation into there, and they're adding... Um, sort of like just like symphonic almost symphonic death metal uh instrumentation like lower into the mix and stuff so there were elements that i could really latch on to but it was just you know like another step into the aggressive category and it was another one that was you know the uh, the band is called becoming the archetype so you know it's like the the most christian name you could possibly think of (laughs) um yeah but yeah my number three it rules i still love it There you go. Um,
2: All right. On to number two. We're almost there. Um, Almost there. This is funny. This is really funny that it's my number two. And I mentioned this um, to Becca earlier that I thought it was really funny that I completely forgot about this band until you had mentioned something earlier in this week uh mm-hmm. about a live album that it, they had released and i was like oh, yeah. oh my goodness i completely forgot about Anne berlin um and i listened to both their live albums like the uh, uh never take friendship personal one and the cities one and i cities just really hit home for me um just a little bit more because those are those are were my two favorite amberlin albums for sure like it's not even close um but cities I think hit home for me a little bit more uh partially it came out in 2007 um which um is around the time that I started um trying to play guitar trying to teach myself how to play guitar um and there's a few acoustic-y ballad-y songs on this album that I loved um unwinding cable car
1: i have very distinct memories of you slowly learning how to play that riff yeah on the yeah it
2: was one of the first songs i learned how to play this that along with so and it's it's funny the way that my musical was back then but it was that it was for the moments i feel faint by reliant k and dump weed by blink 182 (laughs) Uh, yeah but uh yeah that that um i think that definitely had um i mean that's definitely part of the reason that that I, this one resonates a little bit more with me there's that song there's inevitable which is another ballad or a really beautiful love song and um dismantle repair i guess it's not really a slower it, it's like a bit of a slower song but uh but then godspeed and whisper in a clamor um mm-hmm. just huge fast-paced um kind of I don't know. I don't know how you would describe the genre of Amberlin, but like kind of pop punk, right?
1: Yeah, like a little bit of pop punk, maybe earlier. Like and "Never Take Friendship Personal," a little bit more. In "Cities," it's a little bit more like dark, just like adult rock sort of. Yeah, adult contemporary play. rock,
2: I guess. Yeah. yeah, alternative. I don't know. I don't know what you'd the really. Alternative, I guess. I don't know what you'd really call it. That's kind of a broad term, but um, yeah. uh, a whisper and a clamor. Another NHL reference that was on NHL 2008. One of the few NHL games I did not own Mm. um, from 2000 until 2001. I think there were four that I have not owned. Wow. That was one of them. Um, Insane. But yeah, excellent album. That's my number two.
1: Yeah, I loved it. I love it. It fucking rules. My number two.
2: What a song! That that's um, uh, thinking about Under Oath and thinking about that song title. It's like uh, it, it, it's funny. Um, they had a tendency to have really long song titles, and what is that? I I, I can never remember the end of that song title. I can remember it. it's anyone can dig a hole, but but
1: it takes a real man to call it home. Yes. Okay. And like that was like a big popular thing within like alternative. Emo, yeah. Follow Boy, Follow sort of Boy, and Panic at follow the Disco boy. were the big Panic ones. Panic at the Disco, yeah. The Devil Wears Prada, Norma Jean did it. Um, just like albums, even like Sufjan Stevens, which is like a completely different genre, but just like songs that were like full long sentences was like something really hip to do at the time. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is another one of those albums where it's like. Lost in the Sound, I think you still bought it, but mm-hmm. this was when, like, Define the Great Line and They're Only Chasing Safety are your favorite records by them, and my favorite records are Lost in the Sound and Disambiguation. Um, So it's just like the two albums after the ones that you like, I think, are just, like, so good and, like, perfectly summarize what I was into at the time um yeah this this record meant a lot to me and it had, and um i mean it was one of those ones that i played a shit ton because i was drumming a lot um so it was one that i listened to all the time while i was playing i was playing along to it the the, the drums on that album i think are super dynamic super interesting still love them and then like a a song like too bright to see too loud to hear is one of those tracks where it's like the second last song on the album is a ballad essentially and i think that that might be like the best soft track that an aggressive band ever created at least within this like that's actually
2: one of one of my favorite under oath
1: songs i think yeah it's phenomenal so uh yeah, I mean, for me it's the perfect album. I wasn't as into Define the Great Line. I thought it was it's funny because like when you were really into aggressive music and I wasn't I was just on like the verge of it. I think I listened to it cuz like I kind of found it funny. I don't know why. <laughs> I just I just thought it was funny how how like insane it was. It like made no sense to my brain and it like made me laugh. Uh so my first like in with that sort of music was like I can't believe this is happening. Like just like a full a full sort of like meltdown of my brain of like what I what I my my perception of what music was completely like broke down. I'm like this is hilarious and then I, I can't then it wore you down out. yeah, it wore me down and then I eventually like understood it and and it you know like two years or three years after you were into it, I actually went from like just finding it hilarious to actually getting like really into it. And that's, this is the album that sort of epitomizes that era.
2: So I I do have a little bit to say about this album just because um, it was not as big for me at the time. Um, and I chose this list very carefully, as I mentioned before, um, to be the, the albums that resonated with me at the time the most mm-hmm. um, and how I would rank those albums now. Um, I think... Um, when I listen to all the Under Oath albums now, this is actually near the top, Lost in the mm. Sound. I would say mm. it's, yeah, right near the top, for sure. Um, uh, Right along with, and this may surprise you, um, but I'm really into their latest album, Erase Me. And I know okay. it's one that I don't think you've really given a chance, but.
1: That's where we differ, because I, I've listened to it two or three times and i think it's easily their worst thing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know so yeah i mean you know it is what whatever it's a different sound it's a different it's completely different it's a
2: complete departure from from what they
1: were like if i if erase me came out when i was at that age and that was like the, the type of music that i was really really into i would have been really 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 into it but when it you know when you take that time off and i've totally moved on to like the most aggressive music that exists <laughs> and then i try and listen to erase me it just doesn't really like hit me yeah it doesn't
2: resonate I'm with you as well yeah that's fair mm-hmm. and that and that kind of makes sense because i never really transitioned um to anything that heavy so i think yeah 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 that makes sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i mean this is this album rips um came out when i was 13 i think and yeah it was the best again it, it came out like right before becoming the archetypes, archetypes dichotomy so i think this came out in the spring of 2008 and then becoming the archetype came out later in the year so that period of time was very, very important to me. I think that that was sort of like a turning point for me in, in terms of understanding what I like in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's yeah. It's
2: a great album. I definitely agree.
1: Now, my son, we have a joint number.
2: one. We sure do. We sure um, do.
1: I've got some things to say.
2: I'm sure you do. That, I- I- this I probably have less things to say, but I do have things to say as well.
1: I do not exist, we faithfully insist. Failing in our separate ships, we become each tiny caravelle. Tiring a triumph, a necessary dime. Like the horseshoe crab in its proper season, shed its shell,
2: such distance from our friends scratch across the land made everything look wrong from anywhere we stood oh, paper flew away before
0: we'd left the bay so half line we wrote these songs on sheets of salty wood
1: brother sister baby oh me without you my heavens this is a really interesting album i think and, and a really interesting band for uh, us because i think it was I mean, you you should speak to this because this is an album that you bought, but I think it was one of those ones that you got from Walker.
2: Yeah. He was really into me without you um, specifically catch for us, the Foxes, the previous album. Um, And I can remember listening to them and hearing like the spoken word style and not really getting it, but kind of feeling like I wanted to. So Mm -hmm. um, I had asked for a me without you album for my birthday um, thinking that I would probably get Catch for Us the Foxes, but I I assume it was around the time Brother Sister came out because that was the one that Mom and Dad got us, or got me, um, and um I don't think I it it's funny that this is both of our number ones because if you had asked us in 2010, um this this album might not even be ranked, yeah. Um, it's true because I don't think either of us fully understood it at that point. Um, it was kind of, I don't know. It's just so unique. Like me without you is, um, such a unique band. Um, like there's there's sure. truly no one else like this band. Um, and it's just it's it's super random that they were they were on Tooth and Nail and um, like on a Christian music label and that we got um exposed to them i guess
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for sure um i yeah i mean i think in almost every way they filled a niche that they were almost completely singular in certainly within like this small like christian subgenre that we're talking about or christian subculture that we're talking about but even in a broader scale as well um where you know sonically they're mixing indie rock and post-hardcore and spoken word um and sometimes folk all together in this like weird amalgamation that is i mean the land like like the sonic landscape of me without you is the most like evocative to me i've ever heard or atmospheric maybe atmospheric might be the best word like the the way that they play their guitars and the tones they pick just like even without aaron's lyrics and vocals which are arguably the best part even without that the guitar is some of the most like i find to me like some of the most moving guitar work i've ever heard um and then you throw in the fact that aaron is like one of the most you know like advanced theological philosophical minds that existed in this christian sphere Oh, and, and, it, and it, man, it's not even close. No, it's not close. He's like, uh,
2: uh, just the poetry of these lyrics. The, um, dear God, like the the biblical references paired with references from like ancient poets. Um, it's it's so dynamic. And yet, like, um, I still, like, I mean, I've I've delved into these lyrics and tried to tried to fully understand what everything means. And I think, in general, as an album, I kind of feel like I get it. But even so, mm-hmm. it's still, like,
1: pretty. Co- it's pretty complex. It's extremely complex, and it's something that, like, something like Under Oath or, you know, Demon Hunter or all these other bands are clearly these people – their sort of ideological landscape is completely from like you know Protestant evangelical church and you can tell based on their lyrics maybe they are you know a little bit more or they're they're moving past that a little bit and sort of questioning that in some of their some of their lyrics but but with with Aaron and me without you they grew he grew up in a household where he was uh, equally christian and Muslim and I mean you can tell I think because not just because there's a track called Allah 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 <laughs> and it's just like he he grew up in a space that understood uh sort of it, it, it just because of the reality of his upbringing there was like a a break from dualism and there was a break from Uh, legalistic sort of versions of religion Mm -hmm. that he he, and um, he just had a perspective that no one else had in this space on the tooth and nail in the solid state space and he was you know like like uh, conflicted and, and reckoning with his own sort of relationship to legalism in a way that was so far above anything else that was coming out at the time and at the time when I was 10 years old or 11 years old I guess when we got this album I just thought it was funny because his voice is funny like decidedly his voice is kind of funny when you <laughs> first yeah and he's singing songs about like spiders and foxes and crows yeah. and like his his like,
2: animal uh his animal allegories are um rampant you know, on all of yeah. their albums yeah
1: for sure. And then that's the thing is like like you're saying he's refer- he's using these sort of like allegorical, I guess like fable like uh narratives to work out like extremely complex uh ideas and he's okay with not working them out. Yeah, like they you know? they
2: stay ambiguous. Yeah. Um, and um but yet he'll jump back into He'll jump from these allegories into literal, um, like lyrics that are literally about him. Mm-hmm. Like I think, in, uh, specifically, like on C minor, talking yeah. about like being practically a virgin after twenty seven years, um, which never bothered me before. What's maybe fifty more or whatever, um, uh, which yeah, which is a very overtly like like so yeah very christian line. yeah um yeah it's just i i'm i'm amazed by um by how complex these lyrics are it's it's so crazy
1: i'm really thankful that we found it back then because i definitely don't know i mean i would have stumbled upon it because brother sister specifically actually has sort of like in the internet sphere of like certain sub communities um on the internet on certain websites it has like a really really strong uh reputation in terms of like the indie rock uh sphere uh it's a it's an album that is like praised by by a lot of people in those in those communities like the rate your music community or like the the mu community or whatever or sputnik or what what have you um so that and that's the reason why i sort of started listening to again to them again in maybe 2014 or something like that when i was already in university josh was in university and i started listening to this album again because my only experience with it was like thinking the spider songs were funny and like just legitimately thinking it was like funny like i would listen to it alongside like um like silly like Christian songs like Weird Al almost (laughs) which is not Christian but like you know what I'm talking it was like almost like comedic to me yeah I guess that was like my in with 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 that album and it like the lyrics meant nothing to me at the time
2: whereas the spider songs are like this this like really interesting trilogy um that um they keep calling back to throughout the album um that's just kind of like about this uh this theme of ego death that 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 comes up throughout the album it's just uh, but but like when you listen to it as kids you're just like oh that's like a goofy song about a spider and a leaf
1: yeah and like his his biggest influence is rumi which is like a sufi mystic islamic guy and he he did a lot of things that were like the stories that he told and the way he worked through philosophy and theology was through like like you know like beast epics or like uh animal fables and 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 that sort of thing so it's a really interesting and and singular and unique perspective on on really you know i hate to say it but like nuanced uh, (laughs) understandings of the community that they existed within uh based on the label that they were assigned to and um So yeah, I I mean, I returned to it when I had sort of moved away or like, you know, like I wasn't in the church in the same way that I was and I returned to it and listening to brother, sister again, once I had the perspective of like sort of like deconstructing my own experience with spirituality and with um, institutional religion and stuff and going back to it and being like, Wait, there's actually like a version of spirituality that could actually be like fulsome and meaningful and like generative to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, that and then that was the thing was like, then we uh, like I told Josh about it and we both started listening to them to them again and like listening to their newer albums and they made I mean they're not technically a band anymore but up until twenty eighteen like twenty eighteen untitled album is still like one of my favorite records brother sister is one of my favorite records they made music up until the end that was like some of the most like my favorite music Mm -hmm. period to this day
2: yeah we got to see them in 2018 right after that untitled album came out and um um uh bringing up the theme of of us going to concerts and you being completely fucked up Despite not drinking any alcohol, um, we got really close. We were right beside the monitor on this, like by the stage, with them. And yeah. there's videos on my Instagram of how close, like I could have reached out and touched Aaron. Like we were that close. Um, yeah. and Caleb, I don't remember what you were
1: doing. Uh, there was beer bottles, on, empty beer bottles on the ground, yeah. and I was just trying to move them because I knew they were gonna get smashed.
2: Yep. Yeah. So you bent over. Yeah. And when you were finished moving the bottles, you came up and you smoked your head on the monitor, like just bashed your head and it completely rung your bell. And yeah. the first, I don't know, five or six songs of the set, we were standing right by the monitor. So it was really, really loud. And uh, it was just rocking your world and giving you like a really bad headache. And eventually you're just like, you can stay here. I'm just going to go chill in the back <laughs> so i stayed for like one song and i'm like "Nah, i'm like this that's i don't want to just be here by myself i need to make sure yeah. you're okay and don't have a friggin concussion Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then we hung out at the back for the rest which was which is cool too it was a different experience it was a really small club so um yeah. like anywhere was was a great spot but <laughs> um they were awesome and they played um the opening track, once again, opening track, another big uh, Messes of Men. Love that mm-hmm. song. I think one of my favorite musical parts on the record is um, when Messes of Men bleeds into Darkness in the Moon or Darkness, darkness in, the, the in the Rain, um, where it's just like da
0: da da
2: da, and as so when they started playing message of a men, we kind of freaked out because
1: that was the first uh song they played from, from brother, brother sister.
2: sister. Yeah. So, um, and then as they're like, kind of doing the instrumental at the end, I leaned over to Caleb and I'm like, I think they're going to, I think they're going to go right in it. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to go into darkness in the rain. And then they did. And we were just like, yeah, baby. Ah. It was just like, yeah. it was like a, Oh, man, it was just it was like a spiritual moment.
1: Yeah, it was what it's one of my favorite concert experiences is that moment where we sort of knew it was going to happen. And then they did it and we're like, I can't fucking believe this. this is like the coolest thing.
2: And then closing with in a sweater poorly knit was just yeah, fucking awesome. True.
1: Yeah, they played that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great concert. A great band, probably to this day, my favorite band. This is the, like, yeah. I mean I, I've talked about a few a few bands like persisting and like being stuff that I can still listen to, but this is the only band that still is like I can confidently call one of my favorite bands. Brother Sister is legitimately still my favorite album of all time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's it's so good. It's so so good.
0: If
1: you haven't heard it, check it Give out. Give it
2: a listen. You won't regret it. And that's it. That's it. That's, that's our, uh, wow. Uh, that's our delving back into our Christian music past.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was fun. That, w- that was a trip.
2: That was a trip. Yeah. I've been thinking about this for a while. We're going, we've been going for almost three hours
1: now. Yeah. 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 That's wild. We'll See if we can cut this down at least a little bit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully cut out that little pee break there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, this was fun. Um, I mean, we'll do many more things coming up. Um, I think we'll probably do, as we mentioned before, a pop punk episode, uh, considering that was, um, another huge genre. Um, well, I think more for me than Caleb, but, um, I think my musical tastes bled
1: onto you, as you've mentioned before. Um, yeah for sure it w- it was like it was very meaningful to me but it was just like i was getting everything my taste curated for me by you hmm which was fine yeah
2: well that's good um yeah but that's it um i guess uh i guess we'll sign off do you have a sign off
1: my sign off is drink some water mm-hmm and um did I talk about fiber on the last one? You podcast? did, yeah. That
2: was your exact sign off last time. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, I'm still thinking about it.
2: That's okay. Like that could be your thing if you want to. Um yeah. mine was just garbage. Um I basically just um recited Steve Dangles' um yeah. endings to his videos. To his um, YouTube videos. I, I do want to cite that. Um to his YouTube videos, that's right. Um, even though these are not videos. Uh, I would say get vaccinated when you can. Uh, yeah. I am literally about to go get vaccinated for COVID-19. Um, do your research, um, but don't listen to the garbage. Um,
1: use your brain. Don't be a fucking dummy. If you, so get it unless you have an existing health condition look into what that would do. 100%.
2: I it it's uh it's scaring the living bejesus out of me how many people are receiving false information and having really fucked up ideas about this vaccine and are legitimately not going to get it because they think uh it's either going to sterilize women or just all this garbage nonsense. So please 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 get vaccinated when you can um i implore you if you want this garbage pandemic to end.
1: hell yeah it's the only way that's right
2: um love you all thank you and good night
1: god bless